0: All right, one more time, if you will, take your Bible and turn with me to the book of 1 Peter. 1 Peter. As we look at uh, this passage uh, this morning, uh, I would um, ask you, if you will, um, to... uh, you may wonder, what, what is the importance, why have we been looking at these passages uh, in First Peter for the last uh, five weeks? And uh, what I'd like to uh, ask you uh, to do, maybe uh, set the mindset a little bit, is it, answer this question for me. don't have to do it out loud, uh, but answer this question. To you, who is God? To you, who is God? How would you answer that question? Without a, you uh, not we'll have to write a 10 page paper, but who is God? Now, thinking about that, I would ask you if you were to go out onto the streets of Concord, Kanapolis, Harrisburg, um, Cabarrus County, and you were just to walk up to people uh, out of the blue, strangers on the street, and you would ask them, that same question, how many people do you think would answer that question the same way you just did? We don't live in that world anymore. It is hard to tell what kind of answers you would get even on the streets of Cabarrus County. Now, I know that if I would have said to go out on the streets of Los Angeles or New York or Miami, Atlanta, um, you would uh, expect some unique answers. I think if you're honest, you'd say even right here in our own hometown, our own little piece of the world, we know that if we were to go out on the streets and ask people, Who is God? We would get an abundance of answers. We would get everything from Buddha, to Allah, to I don't know, to there is no God, Um, God's everywhere. The the, the answers would be so varied, uh, even right here, and we know that. We live in a different world than most of us grew up in. Uh, You may have grew up in that type of environment, but most of us in here did not. We grew up in a world, we grew up in a time when if we would have went out on the street and said, Who is God? We would have got the exact same answer that we were getting, uh, or pretty close to it. Uh, Even if we would have said, Now do you go to church? They would have said, No, but who is God? They would have got the answer right. Uh, Not that way anymore. So it's important for us to learn how to live, uh, like Peter describes, to these sojourners, these exiles, these... Strangers, and this passage this morning uh, we have been kind of looking at uh, one skill uh, a week, one attribute a week. This passage this morning is uh, kind of Peter's uh, icing on the cake. Uh, and he's going to sum it up, and we're going to look at uh, three. Uh, that Peter describes in these couple verses, uh, three things, and they are connected, uh, and, uh, have to be practiced, uh, together, I believe, and are meant. Uh, to be uh, practiced together, uh, that we live uh, like Christ would have us to, uh, even uh, as exiles, even in the minority uh, in our world. Uh, as we look at this, if you look with me in 1 Peter chapter 4, beginning in verse 8, uh, we, our text there says, above all. Above all, as I said, this is the, the, the icing on the cake. This is the, uh, the top here. Uh, this is the pinnacle. Peter says, above all, here is the, 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 the cream of the crop. This, this is the cherry on top. Above all, loving one another earnestly, sincerely, since love covers a multitude of sins. So hospitality to one another without grumbling. As such received, as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning that you'll take your word, uh, God, that you will use it uh, mightily, powerfully here today. Uh, God, to transform us, to prepare us uh, to go out into our community, into our workplace, into our family, our homes, uh, and live for you, uh, even if we're the only one. Uh, some in this room this morning, some listening online, they are the only believer in their family. They are the only believer in their workplace. They are the only believer in their neighborhood. And yet you called us to stand out, to be different, to live for you no matter uh, the majority, no matter uh, what the community and the crowd around us does. And Lord, we pray this morning uh, for your opening of our eyes, our hearts, uh, together, God, I pray that you'll guide my words, God, that you'll speak clearly uh, today, that you'll set me aside and you'll speak. Uh, God, it wouldn't be my words, my thoughts, but it would be your purpose and your, your word that is proclaimed here this morning. We'll give you the honor for it all, for it's in Jesus' precious name. I pray. Above all, Peter says, here are three things that the believers need to be doing. These are three ways that uh, we should uh, be living, even if we're the only one. Uh, even if we're the, the, the only one. You, you say, well, I don't know that that's good.'" Possible uh, to be the only one. I shared with you a few weeks ago a story, uh, again, of a lady in another country, albeit, uh, but she was, uh, as far as anybody knew, the only believer uh, in their city. She was the only one uh, and, and was dealing with the adversity, the conflict uh, of, uh, of of her family and others around her, and, and I realize that uh, in, in our world today, in our community, uh, there are other believers, but uh, if, if the Lord tarries uh, and this world uh, continues on the path it does and uh, see no real reason to see it changing track, uh, we're going to see uh, that, uh, that, that the number of believers in proportion uh, to the number of non believers is going to continue to shrink, uh, going to continue to decrease, and it's going to get harder uh, to live for Christ. But uh, even though that is the situation, Peter says, above all, love one another. Above all, love one another earnestly, sincerely. Above all, he says, that is the 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 uh, the command here uh, that uh, that he lays out for us. It's not a suggestion. He says this is a priority. Above all, live with compassion. Demonstrate. Compassion or charity, as the King James uh, describes it, simply means love, compassion, care for one another. Live with that uh, in mind. How do we live in, uh, as strangers uh, in, on exile? How do we live uh, as strangers when we are outnumbered? We live with a fervent, uh, earnest love for one another. We live with in love with each other. And you know, uh, if you've been around church much, you know that in the Bible there are some different words described uh, or used that are translated uh, as love. One means brotherly love. One basically uh, means friendship love. We don't have those different words in English. We use the context, uh, again, to tell which word, what we're meaning by When somebody says, uh, I love uh, chocolate. Uh, and then they turn around and say, "I love uh, my grandchildren." Uh, common sense tells you it's a different love. Uh, you know we don't have a different word for it. We have a different sentence. We have a different understanding. Well, uh, as you might imagine, uh, the word here when he says above all, love, one another is that word you've heard uh, preachers talk about uh, your entire church experience. It is that word agape. It is that God-like love. It is that sacrificial uh, love. And then we see on top of that, like the word agape itself means a sacrificial love, uh, then he adds to that uh, the adverb when he says, and you do that. Earnestly. You do that fervently. You do that sincerely, that you love one another. Uh, not just that you have a sacrificial love, but that love is just consuming uh, you. It, it, it drives you. It, 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 it guides you in all that you do. He says, uh, regardless uh, of this world. And and, and Every person in here, you know that um, in, in the, the, the human nature um, is that uh, many times in, in our life, uh, we have situations where uh, outside stress and pressure causes us to, let's be honest sometimes, turn on those we love most. Uh, there's probably not a person in here who hasn't experienced that. Uh, you or your spouse uh, has had a bad day at work, and rather than kill somebody at work, what do they do? They come home and take it out on their spouse. Uh, you know, it's just, uh, they come home and take it out on the children. Come home and take it out on the dog, whatever. Uh, you know, it, it just stress. Pressure tends to cause us many times to, uh, to turn against, to turn on uh, those who we actually are supposed to love the most. And so Peter says, above all, do not allow this world, no matter how sinful, no matter how wicked it gets, allow brothers and sisters in Christ to turn on each other. Love each other earnestly, sincerely. Uh, He says, no matter what else goes on, even though you are an exile, even though you are a sojourner, you are the minority. Again, you may be the only believer at work, and, and, and at work... Your co-workers give you all kinds of grief and static for your faith uh, they, uh, they they you know they, they get on you for maybe saying the blessing at, at lunch or uh, because you won't go out to the clubs with them afterward and and, and they put that pressure on you and, and, and get you upset and you go home and and, and bite the head off your children uh, you know you come to church cranky and ill, whatever Peter says above all Do not allow this world to change you from fervently, earnestly uh, to love one another. It is to be a real love, a sincere love, a genuine love. He says, don't allow this world to, to, to hinder that love. And then he says, he's very specific, love one another. There's two things he he adds to this statement uh, there when he says, Love earnestly one another. Uh, again, love by nature is relational. Love by nature uh, it requires uh, an object to love. Uh, again, it may be chocolate. Uh, you know, it may be uh, something like that. But love by nature is relational. Uh, you, know, you, you, you don't walk around love in a vacuum. And so he says, love one another. And it's something, if you read through the uh, whole book of 1 Peter, and I hope you've uh, done that at least once uh, as we've been in this series for the last six weeks, uh, you'll see that that's a theme of Peter, one another. We're in this together. We, we are the minority. We live in cities where the majority of people are, are, are lost. The majority of people are not following Christ. The majority of people could care less about the things of God. And he says, therefore, you only have one another. You, you have each other. That's it. You know, I can remember uh, when the boys were younger, I used to try to beat that into their hard heads. Uh, I've told you before. One time, I got so frustrated, I took them and put them in two chairs facing each other, and I threw a beach towel over top of them and said, "You know, y'all, y'all just sit and stare at each other." You know, y'all, y'all, y'all are. At that time, you know, Malia was very small. And I told my, "Y'all are all each other's I said, "Well, Mom and Daddy's gone. Y'all be, you know, y'all still be brothers. You're all that you've got." Listen, and so that, that's exactly what Peter is saying here in this statement. He's saying as brothers and sisters in Christ, we are all each other as God, besides God Himself. As we travel through this world, we can't depend on laws. We can't depend on, on those who don't know Christ. We have to learn to love each other in spite of our flaws. Love one another, he says. Above all, above everything else. Uh, Again, this passage, it shows up here. It shows up in verse 10. One another. Peter stresses that to us. You can't love each other enough. Back to that word earnestly a minute. That word is is, is the picture uh, of an athlete straining and stretching out in a race. You know, if you've ever seen, watched the Olympics or uh, a track meeting, you've seen those, uh, all those athletes when that gun, that gun fires and they take off down that track, man, you can see every muscle in their body is rippling. The look on their face, they are focused on that finish. And if they're not, they're not going to win. But they're focused on that line everything about them every fiber of their being is focused on that next hundred yards or 200 yards or whatever that race is That's what peter is saying that's how important love should be to the believer we should love one another i'm reminded and i quote him often many of you have heard his name a million times even if you don't have a clue who i'm talking about the late great vance Hafner little mountain man, great man of God, who used to say the church is the only place in the world, the only people in the world who shoot their wounded. What a sad statement about the attitude and the condition of Christians. That we shoot our wounded. Peter says above all, strain everything, and listen, I'm going to, Peter doesn't say this I'm not blaming this on Peter I'm going to take responsibility for what I'm about to say I know that for some people to love them earnestly is a strain. it takes everything that is within you you like that athlete running that race you have to strain every muscle in you but Peter says above all love them anyway love them anyway above all love them anyway. Again, it's the idea of uh, of building, burning, bowling. It's passionate love. Are we passionate about loving our brothers and sisters in Christ? Or could we live without it? Or we think we could live without it? Passionately loving. Listen, again, it's It's far more than typically Uh, when we think about love. We we think about some kind of little warm feelings. Some kind of little feel good. That's not what Peter's describing. Peter's talking about a, uh, a burning, bawling love that controls to stretch out, to reach out, to strain to the maximum degree. It means we love those who have hurt us. It means we love those who persecute us. It means we love those who torment us. It means we love those who ridicule us, abuse us, speak bad about us. We love them anyway. You say, well, if they really love God, they wouldn't do that. Well, if you really love God, you'd love them anyway. That's what Peter says. Peter says, above all, you love them. You let God deal with them about what they're doing and not doing. Your responsibility is above all to love them with a sincere love. Why is that so important? Because John tells us the world will know whether or not we love God by whether or not we love each other. That's why it matters. Listen, the most wonderful thing happened. When we love each other. He says a multitude of sins are covered. Now that statement has caused a lot of grief and a lot of a lot of debate over the years. Does that mean somehow or another that that somehow it means that your sins will be forgiven if you love each other? I think if you study it, you'll find out that's not what Peter was saying. If you go back and and scratch and dig a little while, what what, what Peter is saying, I, I think a better way for us to understand that statement would be if we love each other sincerely, a multitude of sins will be prevented. I think that's a better way for us to understand it in today's language. A multitude of sins will be prevented. If you love somebody passionately, you don't gossip about it. You don't talk trash about it. You don't run them down. You don't say things about them. You don't kill them. Those kind of things. You don't have an unforgiving spirit towards that person. Those sins, he says, will be prevented. They will be protected, uh, they, they'll be guarded against, I think is a better way of understanding what uh, what Peter is trying to say to us. That loving one another helps us to dodge, to avoid falling in to the trap of sin. Listen, Peter is telling us, first of all, love one another. If you're not going to do that, you're going to go to sleep now. Because the other two won't matter. Because if you don't love one another, if you don't passionately love the brothers and sisters in Christ, if you don't passionately love other believers, these next two, you'll never get there. just might as well go on. I said, go to sleep. Get out your phone, play tic-tac-toe or something. Bust some bubbles or kill some birds or whatever. Because these next two won't matter. First of all, love. Second of all, he says, from there, you display your concern. You're not going to display concern if you don't love somebody. If you love them passionately, however, you do what? You're concerned about it. So look what he says. He says, show hospitality to one another without groaning. I think it's interesting that Peter was wise enough under the leadership of the Holy Spirit not to stop at show hospitality to one another. I think it's important to note that he added those next two words. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. Be honest, you ever had to show hospitality, but the whole time, you was grumbling? Maybe not out loud, but inside, you was grumbling? Be honest, we just came through Christmas, you had family and friends over for Christmas, and you showed them hospitality, but you didn't like it. You you weren't happy about it. Show hospitality without grumbling. Biblical love is not defined and displayed by our feelings. Biblical love is demonstrated by sacrificing for the good of others. Again, we see that in God. How do we know God loves us? love
1: it. Jesus, for
0: us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Love, genuine love, godly love results in action. Did anybody tell you they love you? And you think, well then why are you twisting that knife in my back? That's why I don't do good at family reunions. Because I don't know most, I don't have many, but I don't know a whole lot of my family. Last time I, I remember being drugged to, blackmailed to, changed to, my mother made me go to her daddy's side of the family Gathering up here at Golden Karate. And there's people coming up to me and hugging me and telling me they love me. I'm like, what's my name? How we, who are you? You can be a waiter for all I know. Yeah, I don't know who you are. You don't know who I am. Love always, genuine love, always results in action. So Peter says, above all, love one another earnestly. And if you do, then you won't show hospitality without grumbling. See, if Peter would have just said show hospitality without grumbling, we'd have never doubt that. So he says, first of all, work on love. Then he says, show hospitality without grumbling. How do we live as strangers in, a, in, in exile in this world? We love one another above all. And when we love one another above all, we show hospitality. Now, granted, for the people Peter was writing to, in many ways, this was far more challenging, uh, far more important than it is for us. The people Peter was writing to, it, it would have been extremely important. These were people who were having to open their homes to people. These were people who were having to open their homes for church services to gather These were people who were having to open their homes to other believers who were exiles, who were fleeing their home country. These were people who were having to open their cabinets and their refrigerators to people who were fleeing, who were exiles. When Peter said, show hospitality, Peter literally meant everything about the word hospitality. He meant open up your doors and allow the strangers to come in. There were people who were being, who were losing their businesses, losing their homes because they were in a minority and the, the heathen were forcing them out of business because they were Christians. There were people who weren't being allowed to shop at certain stores because they were Christians. And so when Peter said to them, Do you really want to be, you don't want to know how to survive as an exile. You love one another above all, and because of that, you'll fling open your doors and help and welcome and show love. You won't just stand on the porch as the exiles go hungrily down the street going, God bless you. God bless them. You bless them. get them a sandwich. You're standing on the front porch like a homecoming queen. As the exiles go straggling down the road. No. Peter says you show hospitality. You show them you love them. Love you, brother. I know you're hungry. I know you got nowhere to sleep tonight. I know you're cold. God bless you. I love you. Now I got to go. I got to run in here and take my bath. Eat my supper. No, Peter says you love one another, it shows up in how you treat one another. I'm going to say something some of you know, some of you don't, won't believe it. But if you've been around it very long, you've experienced people who claim to be Christian can be some of the nastiest, meanest people on the face of this planet. More people have died in the name of God than anything else. People just determined to have their way. Now Peter says if you love one another, you show love. It shows up uh, in, uh, in how you treat each other. Peter was saying when their jobs cause them to have to travel, again, men like Paul who were traveling around from city to city and preaching and didn't have a home, you open your doors up, you let Paul stay at your house. You let that missionary stay at your house. Be hospitable to one another. Why? Because you love one another. Be nice. Open up the doors. Listen, the early believers, again, they need a place to worship. Open up your doors, he said. Hospitality was an absolute essential for these people. I believe we, in particular, in the Raleigh area, and you can imagine that the Raleigh area has a, uh, is kind of a, a melting pot of religions and various cultures in the city. And I know people who are believers who have intentionally, they searched out the demographics, found a neighborhood where the majority of the neighborhood was of some other culture, some other religion, and that's where they sought to buy their house and moved into the middle of that neighborhood and then began to show hospitality. To invite their other culture neighbors over for coffee, for supper, to mow their yard. I just... And one of those people, I heard them the other day, talking about being in their neighborhood, and they knew that one of their neighbors, and I forgot what religion, what culture they were from, but it had some type of surgery, and they saw that their yard was uh, getting kind of bushy, and so they went over and they mowed their yard. There's no reason just to go be a good Christian neighbor, to show hospitality, to open up their heart and show them that we love. Listen, he says, do it without grumbling, without complaining. What would happen if we did, took more, took more seriously this commandment and began, and I know some of you are just cringing at this very often. What would happen if we opened up the doors of our homes and invited our lost neighborhood and our community to come in and sit down and to fellowship and to worship and use that as an opportunity to tell them about Christ? What difference would it make? You say I don't know about that. I mean, you better not read the Bible then, because the Bible tells us over and over that that's what we are to do. First Peter chapter three said, therefore an overseer must be above reproach, the, the husband of one wife. We all know about all that. Sober-minded, self-control, uh, and he goes on. And open them uh, and sober minded self control uh, respectable hospitable to each other he continues Titus uh, he says but hospitable a lover of good self controlled upright holy and disciplined hospitable he says in the book of Hebrews it says do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers for thereby some have entertained angels unaware. Romans tells us uh, the same thing. Contribute to the needs of the saints and seek to show hospitality. Luke says in Jesus, increase in wisdom and in stature and in favor with God and man. Now I know that passage doesn't say hospitality, but it says God, that Christ made friends with man. We know He went in and... Dying with the Pharisees. It's one of the things they they hated about him. He made favor with man. access, praising God and having favor with all the people. And then the Lord added daily to their number. They were nice. They showed hospitality. Uh, Who began uh, a church called the Holy Trinity Church. And he wrote this, and it's going to be on the screen for you. Uh, And it's kind of small, I know. So if you can't see it, you won't need to get up and walk up here where you can, or just listen, I'm going to read it to you. He says, the key with hospitality is to begin. Just start. Doesn't matter if you live in an apartment or a dorm or a house. Once a week, opening your home, baking a few cookies, saying hello in the elevator, checking up on an older neighbor, borrowing sugar from the next apartment, yes the city is a place of isolation but it may be that through our doors all kinds will come one who is hungry an intellectual questioning a colleague in crisis a student from a far off land it may be that god's new people from the nations will sit around our table it may be that having shared a meal and having tasted of christ Their own table will be open for this gospel in a country we would never reach. Be nice. You know what the natural bent of people in exile, the people in minority, is? To draw close, And shut down. When the Bible tells us, even though we are the minority, we keep going. And we reach out simply by being hospitable. We practice hospitality because it is right. We practice hospitality because we are God's people. We share God's goodness through our home because God has shown His goodness to us. His grace overflows the threshold of our homes. You know, when we were in China, one of the things that, and I noticed from doing it, that they, the Chinese would do two things almost every time, especially in the older buildings. Almost all of the older buildings would have kind of a gold, brass, whatever, dome on the door. And before they'd go into the door, they'd rub the, the whatever you call it. And that was a way of warding off, getting the demons off of them, in the way. The other thing, especially in older buildings, um, and it trip you up, literally trip you up if you're not careful. Almost every one of them, when you went through the door, where our doors are typically flat and level with the ground, almost every one of their doors had a high threshold. When you went in the door, you had to step over. That was the way to get in. You know to they had those high thresholds? Because that was to keep the demons from sliding into their homes. Block them down there at the ground. I'm afraid as Christians we've turned that around. We've built up high thresholds that doesn't let the spirit and love of God out of us. Pastor Dennis says our goals, because we love each other. And that love shows. Because we love each other, because we love each other, we are hospitable. Then the final thing Peter says is that we discover our competence. What is our reason for being here? As each has received the gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's very grace. Do you see why loving each other earnestly is so important? If you don't, there's no way you'll be hospitable. If you don't, there's no way you'll use your gift to, be, to, to serve others. Like I said, if you didn't listen to the first one, you can ignore me the rest of the way because you're not going to get that. We discover our gift. What is it that God has gifted us with? Not so much talking about necessarily spiritual gifts here, but talents and gifts. Some folks know how to sew. And you look out. And again, this is part of being hospitable. He's telling you here how to do it. Use your gift. You know how to sew. And you see a single mom next door with a couple of kids, and their pants need hemming. Offer to him their pants. That might be the most godly thing you could do. Bake them a cake. Bake them some, some of your great bakers. Make some cookies. Some of you, as I said well, I'll go. You know, I a while ago, know how to, are good at land. And I know, really, hey, I know today, this is not the most spiritual thing you've ever heard. Got a little lady who lives next door to you. Go mow her yard for her, weed for her. Wash her windows this spring. Clean out her gutters. Some of you, you got no business on the ladder. Don't clean out her gutters. Some of you can't reach them. And I talked about the short folks a while ago. So just you don't clean out the gutters, you clean their baseboards. No. Yeah. what is it? What gift has God given you? You look next door and you've got a neighbor and somebody in your neighborhood who is who is having trouble getting in and out of their house. Get some people together and go build them a ramp. You're not blind. At a neighbor, and you notice their car hasn't moved in, in, in a while. And you find out their car's got something wrong with it, and you know how to do mechanic work. Go help fix their car. Go see it. Go at least see if there's something you can do. It may be blown up beyond repair, it may just need some gas. Find your gift, find your competence, and use it. Your gift, you may just, you're a friendly, loving, sweet person with a good smile. Go sit down, go to the local nursing home, rest home, walk in and say, who in here hasn't had a visitor in months? And I'll promise you there's somebody there that fits that description. You go in and you sit down and you just talk to Better yet... You sit there and be quiet and let them talk to you. Take your gift and serve one another. We are in the minority, folks. I will promise you the world isn't doing those kinds of things. I haven't talked much about it yet because it's a long way off to us getting quicker by the day. January has gotten way many years. The older you get, the quicker. I think so when I wasn't looking, somebody made me years, three months long. In August, first week in August, all across the state of North Carolina, Baptist churches are going to join hands together and we're going to do a thing called Serve NC. We're going to go out into our communities. And as school starts back, we're going to take cookies to the teachers. We're going to plant flowers around the school. We're going to go to rest homes. We're going to find somewhere where we can serve others. Tell me that won't make a difference. Tell me that for once, the church won't be on the news for doing something crazy. Peter says, serve each other. Use your gifts to minister to each other. You have no skills, you have no gifts you can think of, but you got money in the bank. You give the money so somebody else can go work. Some of you got all kinds of free time. Go on a mission trip. Go somewhere and serve and represent God well. I understand this morning is not the most theologically deep, spiritually minded. You may think so anyway. But I think I've given you enough scripture to show you it's pretty theological and it's pretty spiritual. And we love one another. We're nice to each other. We're hospitable to each other. And we serve each other. Do you know the people riding up and down this road could care less? whether I'm an obelist or a They can care less what I say about the purple horse, the yellow horse, the green, the polka dotted horse. They don't care. They don't care what music we sang this morning. They don't care what version of the Bible we used this morning. They don't care whether we sang contemporary music or old music. They don't care if we used instruments. They could care less. But they do care whether or not we love each other. They do care whether or not we're nice they do care whether or not we serve and we help others. Peter tells us in verse 11, whether whoever speaks, look what he says. Here's the the, the, the the finish of it. He groups everything we are to do in two categories. And everybody in here can do one of these two things. Look at verse 11, when he says, whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies. You speak and or you serve. That's the two categories. That's where he puts it. That's how he defines it. You should be speaking and or serving, even as an exile. Even if we're in the minority. Maybe more so because we are in the minority. As Peter gets to the end and gets ready to close this whole section. He's reminded of the ultimate goal of all of this. I think he's thinking again on the end of all things when in verse 11 he says in order that in everything God may be glorified. In order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ to Him belonging glory, and dominion forever and ever. Why do we love? So God gets glory. Why are we nice? Why are we hospitable? So God gets glory. Why do we serve? So God gets glory. Because that's not normal in our society. It's not normal to love. It's not normal to be hospitable. It's not normal to serve. If we do those three things as individuals, as a church, God will be glory. God will be honored. It doesn't matter how good we sing, preach, money we take up. If we love, if we're nice, we're hospitable, if we serve, the world will take notice and God will give glory. What a contrast, guys, Peter has put out here in these verses. Since the end is at hand, he says. Every person in this room, I think, would if I say to you, "Is this world in its last days?" I think every hand in the place would go up. Since the end is at hand, Peter says, "We love, we're hospitable, we serve." What would you do if somehow, some way, it was revealed to us that the world was ending this week? What would you do? How does one live with the end, the very end, is at hand? What would you do with that time? Some would say I'd go out and i buy everything I could think of. I'd just buy a new car. I gonna do everything I could. I'm going to get as deep in there as I can to build the devil to build. Yeah. Oh, I'm going to go on a trip. I'm going to go on a cruise. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do that. What would you do if you knew that Friday was the end? It was the end. If you say anything, other than I would love one another, I'd be hospitable, I'd serve, that you didn't listen to Peter. Because Peter said, because the end is at hand. We'll do all things to glorify God. We'll do everything to point people towards Jesus Christ so that he would be honored. Here's the bad thing. You don't know that we'll make it to Friday. We may not make it to dark. We may not make it to lunch. Therefore, we should be loving one another, being hospitable, and serving one another. I want to ask you to value here at this point. What would you do if you knew this week was the end? You knew that this was the last week this world would exist. What would you do? Can I invite you this morning to come to kneel and say, Lord, I realize that This week could be the last week. And because of that, I want you to help me. I want to commit myself to loving one another, to being in hospital, to serve. I want you to use me. I want everything I do to give you glory. Christians, how will you answer that question? What would I do if I knew this was the last week? You're here today and you don't know Christ. You've never asked Him into your heart. You're joining us online. And you don't know Him as your Savior. What are you going to do? i tell you what you're going to do if you don't accept Him. You're going to leave this earth one day. You're going to die. You're going to leave this world. And you're going to open up your eyes in another world in a Hell that was prepared for Satan and his angels. But today, you can ask Jesus Christ into your heart. No matter how old you are, how young you are, where you've been or how bad you've been. If you don't know Him as your Savior today, you can. You can ask Him into your heart. You can come forward. I'll know why you come coming not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you talk in front of the crowd. You and I are just going to have a little conversation. And I'm going to tell you how you can have Jesus as your Lord and Savior. And how you can know what you'd do if this world was the end. You need to be saved today. Would you come? Father, we thank you this morning for your work. Lord, I ask you today to stir our hearts. To move here today. God, is Christians, believe the followers in this room. God, you impress on us, get through to us that we are the minority, that we are strangers, we are sojourners, we are exiles. Therefore, call the church. God, for us to love one another, be hospitable to each other. To serve each other. God, I pray this morning, if you put Christians on this hall, and themselves, to be the person, the follower, the believer, you'd happen to be in these last days. God, for the one who's joining us here this morning, one that may be on that they know that if this was their last week on this earth, they'd die off. Without Christ, separated from you forever, God, I pray this morning that you bring them to the hall so that we can show them how they can have Christ as their Savior and how they can leave here knowing what the future holds for them. For it's in Jesus' wonderful name, I pray. Amen. As we come together. remind you that next Sunday uh, is our annual uh, Big Heart Sunday collection for uh, the Sherry House and so uh, you want to bring in again dried goods, canned goods, um, gift certificates of work, gift cards whatever you call them. Uh, That way they can uh, purchase what they need to fill in uh, the gaps. If you go over there one one week they'll have green beans through the roots and no rice. The next week they got rice the bug got so much, the bug is getting in it, and they don't have no green beans. And so, uh, help fill in the gaps. Uh, again, those big bags of rice and things like that at the same are awesome. They can Those are one of the few things that they, they're allowed to split and put in little ziplock bags and, uh, share out. So, uh, but remember that next week. We we'll always have a great collection for that. Uh, then, uh, if you look in the bulletin, a couple things the Sunshine Club have got, uh, going on next week. Uh, so keep an eye on those um, and uh, look for those uh, as well. Uh, also remind you, uh, always, always invite somebody to come to church with you. with That's why I'm up again. Research after research tells us the reason most people are in church is because somebody invited them. Somebody asked them to come with So invite them to come and uh, we'll see you here next Sunday. All right. Let's bow as we are this week. Heavenly Father. Uh, thank you for your word today. Thank you for uh, each person that has gathered here this morning. Uh, Lord, I pray that you'll go with us as we leave here. We'll take the words of Jesus. We'll remember we're living in the last days and live accordingly. We'll be the honor of the Lord for us. It's
1: in Jesus' love name I pray.